Hello and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and I just want to tell everyone thank you so much for your patience as I get out the latest episode of the podcast. As some of you are aware from the previous podcast and also talking with me in person, I'm currently working on a major project, which hopefully I will be able to share with you in a couple of months. And for that reason, I've had to release the podcast episodes a little bit later than usual, but I thank all of you for your patience, and I know that you're going to enjoy today's episode because it features one of my all-time favorite people, Alana Schwartz. Alana is an animator for Nick Digital at Nickelodeon Animation Studio, and she is one of the hardest working people who I've ever had the pleasure of meeting, and we had a great conversation. So without further ado, I present episode 54, Interview with Alana Schwartz. My guest today is Alana Schwartz. Alana is a 3D artist here at Nickelodeon Animation. She is known for working on a myriad of projects, including Wally Kazam, The Loud House, Pig Goat Banana Cricket. She also does fantastic coffee cup art. She's also been an art director for music videos. Alana, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a really cool opportunity, and I, I love talking to you. So it's what's the difference? There's just a microphone here. I know. This is going to be great. <laughs> we're, we're talking off air about this is going to be like the conversations we always have, except now there's a mic. So super excited about this and for everybody to hear your story because you have done more than what most people have done in their entire careers. So I just want to dive right in. So Alana, where are you from? I'm from New York. I'm from a town called Woodbury, New York, and that's in the Long Island area. So I grew up around there. And then I went to school in Rochester, New York. And then I lived in New York City after that. So I really never left New York until the August of 2016. And now I'm here. So it's been a really interesting journey so far. Fantastic. So let's talk about your life in New York. So growing up, what were some of your animation, comic book, artistic influences? I'd have to say Nickelodeon is obviously like one of my biggest influences growing up. Watch Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, Hey Arnold, Fairly Odd Parents, Danny Phantom, some of my favorites. I never really stopped loving animation. I just noticed that a bunch of my friends had moved on to other things and I was still watching cartoons. Then I started realizing that I had a real passion for this and that I was actually going to make a career out of it. In high school, I was always the one doing like the really advanced art classes and I made it a priority to see cartoons as research and a driving force towards my future. So I always took cartoons, I always took them very seriously as an art form, but not too seriously where I didn't let myself enjoy them. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. It wasn't just on an academic, I'm going to study everything. It was also, yes, I'm going to study this figuring out how it works, but I'm also going to enjoy it while I'm learning how to animate, how to draw, figuring out what they're doing, what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And I'd always ask myself questions like, why do I like this show? But why do I, why don't I get myself attached to other shows? Like, why don't I find myself loving some shows as much as I love others? So I'd always ask myself these questions. And as I grew older, I started developing more of a style and I I would subconsciously pull influence from the cartoons I watched as a kid. And I guess now my style is more of a hybrid of all of the different styles that I've mixed together. As I developed my own style, I realized I subconsciously was combining 
the styles of every influence and every cartoon I've ever watched. So that was really cool to watch happen to my art because I believe over time your art changes whether you want it to or not. And I have friends that send me text messages from like eight to 10 years ago. Like, do you remember you drew this in my notebook? And I, I was like, no, I don't remember doing this, but that looks like something I would draw when I was in eighth grade. So it's, it's really fun, like getting little reminders of how jerky your pencil line used to be. But there are some things that are exactly the same, like the way I draw mouths and eyeballs. Like that's exactly what I'm like, this is this is totally my art, but it's it's different, but it's the same. So that's always like very cool to me. It's a lot of fun because I do that, too, because I have all my old drawings and everything after I moved out here. And it's just you look at it and you're like you see the through line of, oh yeah, this is just younger version of yes. previous self, but it's still my stuff. Yeah, my friend sent me this picture of like a giant, t- like a T-Rex with this big head and like really tiny arms and really tiny eyes. <laughs> and he was cross-eyed and it was really funny. He was, on, he was obviously this really silly dinosaur. And I'm like, this is totally something I would draw. And I was laughing at my own art, but like it was a different part of me that drew it. So it was very surreal. So I was like, I hope this keeps happening throughout my life. And I hope I keep forgetting about funny things I do so that I can laugh at it later. You're like, oh, this is great. So let's talk about Rochester Institute of Technology. So what was that experience like? Because I've seen your student films. They're pretty great. (laughs) And I've also seen some of the films of some of your colleagues that you've later worked with. There was some really good work coming out of that school. So let's talk about it. Yes, RIT was an amazing experience. My freshman year, they made everybody shoot live action on Bullocks. So for those who don't know what a Bullocks is, it's this awesome camera where you can only use film and you have to open up the camera, you have to put the film in and make sure no light creeps through. You have to tape the, the camera and then it's like you're making, a, you're literally shooting on film and it's really scary because once you do it, you can't see what you've done. You have to send it out to some random place that develops it and then it magically comes back to you and then either there's an image or there's not. So then you know if you've done a good job or not. So that was a really cool experience. And then my second year, I got to do some animation. So that was when I started developing a real filmmaker's voice. I learned how to tell a story linearly with characters, and I started to get into some character design, storyboarding, and then actually animating a film. Something they did that I really liked was they made every student make their own film at least once. I got to do three films, which was really cool. The first film I did, oh wait, actually, I did a film my freshman year too. I totally forgot about that. I did a paper sale hand-drawn animation of a little ghost coming out of a box. And it was kind of scary, but kind of cool. And um, the story was kind of abstract, but I had a great time doing it. I think I was very afraid of over planning my animation at that point. I was like, I kind of just want to see you know, what happens when I just animate straight ahead. And I thought that was cool, but then it taught me that in the future I should pay more attention to planning a story with a character and an arc. So that led me to my next film called Beyond Reach, which was a very simple tale about an older dude who's laying, he's in his chair, he's relaxing, but then he he knows that he has to get up to obtain the bacon that he's cooking. So there's that simple struggle of like, oh, do I want to get up? I have to get up, don't I? And then he has this little dilemma with his chair, and it's a whole internal crisis. So... That was a lot of fun. And then that led me to my first 3D animated film called Robots in Space. And that was kind of a defining moment for me because I I wasn't sure if I wanted to get into any 3D animation because I like to draw. And I felt by engaging in 3D animation that I would not grow as a 2D artist, but that is not what happened at all. It actually made me a better 2D artist by trying out 3D films because it gave me more perspective on like 
building something and then being able to use 3D as a tool for your 2D. So I feel like if you're moving towards a different skill in animation, you're not really losing out on other skills. You're actually building up a whole library of skills that you can, can like interchange and reuse. So that taught me a lot. And it also gave me some broader skills that I could use in the future when I graduated. So that's that's a lot of what got me work out here and in New York. So I feel like knowing 3D and 2D is a very great strength of mine. So I, I like to utilize both. My first love is drawing, so I try to draw as much as I can. But I think learning 3D is a very important skill now because it just makes you more marketable. And then my final film, my thesis film, was a 2D animation called Bug Step. And that was my vision of dubstep fireflies in the forest having a really fun time. And something else I want to note is all the music for my films was done by my friend Charlie Rosen. And he's a very successful composer in New York. And he always took the time to do my music. So I would literally hand off my films to him and say, hey, like, make some magic for me. Just do your thing. And then like a week later, he'd hand me back this amazing masterpiece. And it's like I was watching my film for the first time because he just knows what to do. I feel like when he looks at images, he hears music. He just does an amazing job. So thank you, Charlie, for being awesome because sound was never my strength. I think it's good to find people who have different strengths than you and then you can work together as a team. So that's something I learned at RIT as well. That is wonderful. And I love how you talked about, you know, working in collaboration and also the importance of learning 2D and 3D. Because I've talked to, I've had other guests where when they were coming up, it was all 2D. And then when things started going into 3D, they also learned 3D. But I know like at our school, there was sometimes this, this clash between 2D versus 3D as if it's, it can't work together. It must, it's like, you know, Hatfields and McCoys. And I like how with y'all it was, no, it's just a way to tell a story. So just learn both. Yeah, and also I ended up using um, one of the last steps for my 3D film, Robots in Space, was 2D animated effects. So I ended up doing a lot of hand-drawn stuff on top of my renders, which I really liked. It was really fun because it was all animation I had done, but I was animating on top of it. So it felt really cool. And I was like, wow, there are no limits as to what you can do. That is really cool. And I wanted to ask you too, how did you choose Rochester Institute of Technology? I was going to go to Pratt Institute in New York and they had a really cool animation program and it was in New York City and it would have been close to home, which I was considering. But then my cousin called my mom and was like, oh, has Alana looked at RIT? And this was like after I had already mentally decided on a school. And my mom was like, oh, you should just go, you should look at RIT, just see what they have. And I saw that they had this amazing animation program and I'm like, wow, I have to go see the school. So I went to go see and I applied and I sent in a, a reel and I sent in work and they gave me a really nice scholarship and they were like, Alana, we really want you here. And I liked the campus. It was a very inviting environment and I had some film students show me around and I saw how passionate they were about what they were doing. And I think that's what really helped me choose. So now let's get into it. So you go to school, make all these wonderful student films. How did you land a job at Nickelodeon in New York? Well, so, I had already been offered an internship at Walt Disney Animation, and that would have been in the marketing department. So I would have been working on all the posters for all the cool movies, all the Marvel stuff, all the Walt Disney stuff. And I was really excited about that. And um, I got that opportunity in December. So I was already mentally decided that I was gonna move to LA, work at Walt Disney, and then everything would be great. And then I got a phone call from one of my friends, Alex DeTulio, who is an amazing animator, designer, motion graphics. She's an alum from my college and apparently 
Nickelodeon in New York was looking for reels and she had reached out to me and said, hey, like, would you mind if I forwarded your work to Nickelodeon? And I said, of course, go ahead. Not thinking anything was going to happen. I got a phone call from them and they're like, hey, we'd like to give you an interview. Would you come to New York? Talk to us. I flew to New York. They interviewed me and they said, we'd like to hire you. And it was about a month contract. So I said, okay, yeah, totally. And that one month turned into two months, which turned into a year, which turned into two and a half years there. So I learned a lot from that experience and it gave me a really good introduction to the Nickelodeon brand. And I met so many great people and I had, it really built up my experience from just character animation. It it introduced me to motion graphics, typography, design. So I got a whole broad range of things from working there. I think it was a good experience prior to moving here, having that experience in New York. All right. What were some of the projects that you worked on over there? I worked on a lot of on-air promos and designs. So a lot of the coming up next, only on Nick. So I did a lot of that, like Saturday night at 8, Thursday night at 8, tomorrow night at 8. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of stuff for different shows. So I got exposed to all the live action and the animation shows that are on Nickelodeon. I was always first to know what new shows were coming out because I'd be working on the show launches. And one of the big launches I worked on was The Loud House, which was super cool. And I worked on The Loud House. I worked on a lot of the Henry Danger, the Thundermans. I worked on the Kids' Choice Awards. I helped develop a look for a lot of the 3D type and how Blake Shelton was going to fit into the whole Nickelodeon brand. I worked with a lot of green screen footage of him, so that was really cool, because I'm a huge Blake Shelton fan, actually. So it was really cool because I was editing footage of someone I really like, and then I was helping implement his brand into the Nickelodeon brand. I had a chance to work on the Kids' Choice Awards campaign, which was really cool. There was a shoot out here with Shelton that I was not present for, but I got all the footage and I got to work with him. He doesn't know it, but I totally animated footage of him uh, <laughs> combined with 3D type of Kids' Choice Awards 2016, which was really cool. It was even cooler to have all my friends over and watch the Kids' Choice Awards and see all of the graphics on there. And it was really cool to walk to work in Times Square and see the giant billboard right out of Viacom and said Kids' Choice Awards 2016. And there's an animated video of something I'd worked on and it was really awesome. So that was like a very surreal moment. Like, oh, there's my work. That's really cool. Nice. And it was a great team. It was it was awesome and wouldn't trade it. That is really cool. So I missed this part, but I need to ask you about, you are also a production assistant for Little Airplane Productions, which is known <laughs> for a lot of preschool shows up in New York. And you were an editor on one of Bill Clinton's shorts. Yes. So let's talk about that because that's That is huge. He's very well known in the animation community, especially with independent animation. So let's talk about those two things. Totally. So Little Airplane, this dates back to high school. So I had taken an animation course in my high school, which was really awesome that they had it. They took us on a field trip to Little Airplane Productions and I took a tour when I was in 11th grade of their studio. And so I met Tone Tyne, who was one of the founders of the studio. I met the whole music department. They have an in-house music team. They had all the storyboard artists working on Wonder Pets season two. Two of them are, were my coworkers later at Nickelodeon, which was really crazy. Cause I was in high school and they were working at Little Airplane already. And I was like, it's such a small world I'm learning. But anyway, so I took a tour and I, I got Tone Tyne's card. And then a few years later, when I realized I needed an internship that summer to break into the industry, I called up Tone Tyne on the phone. And I said, hey, do you remember me? My name's Alana. I came with that tour from that high school group from whatever year it was, 2009, I think. And um, he's like, yeah, why don't you come in for an interview? Like I interviewed and then I got got an internship and it was awesome. I I worked on a little Small Potatoes Facebook page stuff and then I ended up doing some rigging for one of their personal projects. 
So I learned After Effects rigging and I learned a lot of really cool animation tricks there. So I think that was a great start and uh, breaking in. And then actually the way I met Bill Plimpton was from Tone Tyne. He said, you know, your style reminds me a lot of Bill Plimpton's. Why don't you go meet with him? And then he set up a meeting with us and Bill Plimpton's like, hey, like, it's really nice to meet you. Tone Tyne speaks very highly of you. Maybe we can work together in the future. And that was just a very informational meeting. And then I get a phone call when I'm in school months later and I'm rendering my robot movie and I get a phone call from this New York number. I answer, hello. Hey, Alana, it's Bill Plimpton. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I was in the animation lab and I, and I just quickly walk out of the room and Bill Plimpton's calling me on the phone. He's like, I have a project I want to maybe pitch to you. Like, a, I need an editor for my short film, Drunker Than a Skunk. And I said, totally. So I ended up editing his film, which was really cool. Because I had one computer rendering my film and I had the other computer editing his films. It was a really weird moment. So that was my start with Bill Plimpton. Totally awesome. It was very interesting feeling. What I love about this story is that with Tone Tide, you just called them on the phone. I just called them on the phone. I don't know how many people would have the courage to say, you know what, I met with this person, I took a tour, it was nice, I'm just going to call them <laughs> and ask if I can have just a few minutes of their time. I think most people would be too scared to do that. For some reason, I'm not intimidated by the idea of people saying no, because that's the worst they could say. They're not going to yell at you for calling them on the phone and be like, how dare you call me? I don't see the fear in asking. I see no shame in it. I just see opportunity. And if they say no, then totally. I ended up emailing lots of internships and barely anybody got back to me. But calling on the phone, you get a person on the phone, you get the receptionist, you get the assistant. And then if they're in a good mood that day, or if they like you, or if they know your name, they can connect you to anybody. So. I think the worst anyone could say is no, or we're not looking for anybody right now, or try again in a few weeks. I was never intimidated by that. So. That is fantastic. And that's great advice to everybody. Just call people. Be nice. Be polite. Be nice. Introduce yourself. Yeah. Say who you are and say who you'd like to speak with and say what you do. Like, hey, I, I said I was a student at RIT and I was interested in the possibility of an internship if that was an opportunity that they can offer me. And they were like, yeah, totally. Like, we have interns. And then they connected me to the right person. Wonderful. All right. So now, Big Kahuna here, which I'm very excited to talk about. Java Doodles. I'm so excited to talk about this. So let's just jump right into it. Tell everyone, in case they don't know, those handful of people out there who have not heard of this, what is Java Doodles? What is Java Doodles? Java Doodles is my personal blog where... I take coffee cups and I draw on them. And it started in Rochester. There was a cafe called Java Wally's, which probably my favorite place on campus. It's this cute little cafe and there's a disco ball hanging from the ceiling and there's out there's vinyl album artwork all over the walls and they have delicious coffee, really good food, they have couches in the back. It's just this really chill vibe and there's student artwork all over the back room. So it's just this really relaxing environment and it was attached to the library. So if I go to the library to study or whatever and I'd come out for a cup of coffee. If I needed a break, I would, you know, drink my coffee, hang out, and then I'd finish my coffee and I'd draw on the back of the cup some like really silly doodle. And then I would either throw it away or leave it on campus somewhere random. And I'm like, well, I should actually put more effort into these because they were styrofoam cups and you can't get a lot of detail with styrofoam. So I started buying my own white paper cups and I started making artwork out of them. And I thought it was a really good way to market my skills in a different way. So it started off as a Tumblr page, and now it's more of an Instagram page. 
I would start with a lot of fan art, and it was a good way to exercise being on model with cartoons, comics, people, portraits. So it was a good way to study different types of art, but do it all in a consistent fashion. So on Tumblr, it was very successful. I've been paying more attention to Instagram now, but when it was a Tumblr page, it was getting a lot of a lot of hits and a lot of reblogs. And then the way I got connected with Nickelodeon through Java Doodles was the social media team. I started tagging Nick Animation in all of my Java Doodles posts because a lot of them would be Nickelodeon related. And then they reached out to me for a few different projects. Then after I moved here, everything changed. I started working with the individual Nickelodeon social media pages, like the SpongeBob page and the Loud House page, Pinky Malinky. So I'm kind of in touch with all of the show pages. And I think Nickelodeon's doing a very good job of increasing their internet presence, which is really cool and really powerful. It's a very interesting way of reaching people. And I almost think it's just as popular to reach people through the internet and mobile apps as it is with just cable television now. So if you want a way of showcasing your art in a cool and hip way, totally make an Instagram page just for your art and tag people in it and show people, show your work. There's no shame in saying, here, I made your character, and then you tag them in it, and then they might comment on it. They might they might reach out to you. I just think it's a great way to, to broaden your horizons. That sounds great. That is really cool. And I love your page because you have literally drawn everything. And you've met creators of shows through that and celebrities. And it's just a really fun way to not only get your art out there, but to meet interesting people. And like you said, you've gotten to work on a lot of the shows here at the studio because of that. It's really cool because when I first started the project, I didn't even know it was going to last this long. I thought it was just going to be something I did for fun, but it ended up taking on a life of its own. And there are a lot of people out there who call me Java Doodles. They don't even call me Alana. They're like, hey, Java Doodles. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I think it's kind of, it's really cool. I might change my name to Java Doodles. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just kidding, it's but like, that would be Mrs. awesome. Mrs. Doodles. <laughs> That's awesome. But I, it's cool. I like having that as my secret identity, but not so secret. I think most people here know you as both. <laughs> I think most people know you. So it's just like, hey, hey, Alana, hey, how you doing? It's cool. Very good. So let's now talk about Nickelodeon Burbank. So how did you make the change from working at Nick in New York to working at Nick here in California? It was a very quick change, actually, because I've been wanting to move to LA for a long time. And it was a little over two years, like two and a half years, and I was getting ready to leave. And um, I said, you know what, I just have to make the jump. Otherwise, I'll just be in New York forever, <laughs> which there's nothing wrong with that. New York's awesome. I just was looking for more production uh, related stuff. And I know most production is out here in L.A. So I was like, I could always come back if it's not for me. So with that mentality, I just I let a freelance gig pull me out here. And then I freelanced for like two months on different projects. I worked on three different feature films, which was really cool. And I got to work on a variety of commercial work, which was also really great. Then I get a call from Nickelodeon. They're like, hey, we, uh, we'd like to talk to you about a position here at Nick Digital for doing 3D animation and 3D art. So I said, okay, and I, I talked to them and then they hired me. So it was, that was November and I moved here August. So that didn't take very long. I'm just really happy to be part of Nickelodeon again. And it just feels like a continuation from where I left off. That's wonderful. And let's talk about some of the other projects that you've done, because you've worked with a social media team, you've worked with several other shows, and now you're starting to work in music videos. So let's talk about that. What are some of the projects that you've worked on now? It was really cool. I got an email from Nickelodeon Animation Development, and they said, hey, Alana, we'd like to have you pitch 
some different looks for this new YouTube star we just signed with, and her name is Jojo Siwa. And we had just had the Nick upfront meeting, and that's when they that's when they announced that they had just signed a deal with her and that they are going to give her a whole lookbook and a whole branding and how she's going to be like a Nickelodeon star and she's the new rising face of Nickelodeon. So I, I was like, wow. So I did some research on her and she has this big bow in her hair and she's really cool and she's been dancing since she was two years old and now she's getting into the whole making her own music thing. So she had a new song coming out called Kid in a Candy Store and they came to me and asking me to pitch looks for it. So I said, totally. I pitched a few style frames, I did an animation test, I sent it off, and I didn't think anything was going to happen. I was like, oh, you know, why not? So I sent it off. And then Monday, they sit me down, they're like, hey, JoJo liked your stuff. I was like, JoJo looked at my stuff, that's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) So they liked it, and they wanted me to do a lyric video for her new song, Kid in a Candy Store. There was a 10-day turnaround, I worked so hard on it, I wanted to make sure it was perfect. I shot a bunch of candy in my apartment with my friend Colin Pierce. He brought his camera over. I just, I bought a bunch of candy and then we made it look pretty. So that was a six hour shoot in my apartment on my floor. It was awesome. It was really fun. And I felt like I was getting really crafty and it was cool taking an art director role and ultimately doing the whole thing from scratch. It was really fun. And the video got over, I think 2 million views now, which I was like floored. I was, I couldn't believe it. And I actually had a chance to meet Jojo. She was at the studio for another event. And I said to her, I'm like, hey, I'm the animator who worked on your lyric video for your song. And she looked at me and she had this super excited look in her eyes. And she was like, oh my God, you did such a good job. Thank you. And she kept thanking me. And I'm like, you are awesome. (laughs) It was cool like watching someone be so happy from some work that I did. Because that's what I love the most about animation. It makes people happy. That mentality, it just fulfilled me and rejuvenated me. And It makes me want to do more projects like that. That is really great. And speaking of other projects, you are also working with Hans Zimmer. (laughs) I didn't even know about this before the show started. What what is this? Tell me about this, because this is fascinating. So I've been a Hans Zimmer fan since I was, since The Lion King. And, And then I later discovered that he pretty much did all the movies I love. And I'm like, wow, this guy is like a powerhouse for film scores. Whenever I'd work on my thesis in school, or if I'm I'm working on a really intense project, but I want something kind of in the background, I always put Hans Zimmer on. And then I just feel like he really communicates with music. You don't even need words in any of the music. It's a standalone piece and it's everything he does is masterful. So I always had an appreciation for that. So then he announced his Hans Zimmer live tour shortly after I moved to LA. And I said, I am going. I don't know who's going with me, but I'm gonna get two tickets right now. So I went to go see him. And he had a variety of guest stars on stage. And his son was on stage playing with him too. I'm like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And there was a whole light show and there were motion graphics playing in the background. And it was just like, I expected more of like a symphony type feeling, but it was like a rock show and it was unbelievable. He has a stage presence like I've never seen. And his whole orchestra, his whole band, like they're all so into it. They all love what they're doing. He described it as music isn't work, they're playing instruments. They're playing, like it was awesome. So then after the show, I was on Instagram. I was looking at all the different musicians that were tagged in his pictures and I did some research on them. Then I looked at the guy who takes the pictures and then I saw his website and he does a lot of social media marketing. So I emailed him, I'm like, hey, just so you know, I really enjoyed the show. It was awesome. I wonder how it is working with him. And I'd love to work with you sometime. Here's my portfolio if you're ever interested in any social media marketing materials. And then he emailed me back that day. Oh, Hey, I'd like to hop on the phone with you. 
So we got on the phone and he wants to do coffee cups of Hans Zimmer and possibly some animation for their next series of concerts. So that's in the works. I'm going to start with the coffee cup and see what happens, but it would be really cool to work with someone that I've been listening to since I was really young. That is amazing. And again, (laughs) I love it. Reaching out to people and telling them, I enjoy your work. Here's what I can do for you. If you are interested, here is my work that you can see. I love it. Because a lot of people, they don't, I can't stress this enough, put your work online. Put it online. Yeah. Only good things can happen, you know? It's good quality work. Yes. That floors me, man. That's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Let's talk now about, I mean, you've talked about social media. You've talked about putting your work out there. There are a lot of people that listen to the show. They're just getting started. They're in high school. They're in college. They're wanting to do essentially what you're doing. What are your recommendations for that? Because you've had a very interesting and some might say kind of unusual path too. So what is your recommendation for them? So I recommend just building, building, building your portfolio. Learn how to draw, draw from life, take life drawing classes. Because a lot of my foundation is a lot of fine art, which a lot of people don't see in my work, but it was a huge part of growing up for me. I went to life drawing classes at a very young age and I drew from life. I'd go to the zoo, I'd go to the park and I'd just draw and make up your own characters. Have fun with it. Take the time to really build your craft. And then a few years are going to go by and you're going to see an evolution in your work. And then let that further encourage you to keep doing it. Just keep doing it, move forward. And then when you're confident enough or even simultaneously while you're developing your stuff, put it online and make yourself present in the animation community and reach out to people, email people, say, hey, like I'm in the area, I'd like to sit down with you, grab a coffee, I'd like to hear about your journey. And you'll find that a lot of people are receptive to that kind of thing. Like, if they have the time in their day, if, if they're willing and able to help out someone, like they will totally sit down with you and chat because I know a lot of people have done that for me. And anytime I get an email from a student, I really do my best to give them my most honest and best advice possible. But the most important thing is when you approach these people, you want to say, here, this is what I'm doing now. And you want to show them what your work in progress is and what you want to do. Look inside yourself and ask, what do you want to do ultimately? Do you want to be a board artist? Do you want to be a designer? Do you want to do background painting? Do you want to be a voice actor? What do you want to do? Just do it. Just do your best. Do it. This makes me think about, do you know Alex Topetti from... The Animation Guild? Yes. I was talking to him and he told me that he used to go through Glenn Keane's garbage can and <laughs> yeah, like Glenn Keane would leave for the day when he was working at Walt Disney Animation, he'd leave and then Alex would go through his garbage can and Glenn Keane had more drawings in the garbage than anybody else. He would draw and draw and draw and try to get it perfect and he worked just as hard to get that one pose. You know, everyone thinks someone as masterful as Glenn Keane should always get it right on the first try he still goes through hundreds of drawings to get the one he wants. So I think the same principle applies. If you want to do something, you have to get those drawings you don't want out of the way so that you can find the drawing that you like the best. So dig through the dirt and find the treasure. That's right. It's good enough for Glenn Keane. It's good enough for you. (laughs) That's great. And let's talk a little more about social media as well because you post quite a bit and it's excellent. But I also like the way that you post things because you've put a lot of effort into it. I mean, you have 
really good camera equipment. You have very good branding of what you're doing. And so how did you develop all of that? And do you have any suggestions for people that they're putting stuff online, but they're like, is there just a better way for me to market myself this way? I'm experimenting with different ways of posting. And I find that the most successful one for my brand and what I do is just a simple picture of my cup and then where everything is blurred out in the back, but the cup is in focus. So I wanted to find a camera and a lens that was portable, not too big, not too clunky, so I don't have to drag it around everywhere. I have a camera that I keep at my desk. It's a Lumix GM1 and it's awesome. And I also found a lens that is perfect for what I want to capture. So the cup is in focus, the background is blurred, but still interesting. So it really draws the eye to what's on the cup and how crisp the lines are and the color. I do a little post editing. I just saturated a little bit and then that's it. But I've also experimented with time-lapse, which it's really cool to watch your hands do work really quickly. So for me, I have a little downshooter camera where I put my phone and then I just let myself draw. I try to not pay attention to the camera and then I use hyperlapse to speed it up and then then all of a sudden I have a 30 second clip of drawing an entire cup and it's perfect for Instagram. So that's another way of reaching people, kind of like a progress shot. So I like to mix it up with that, but I think the strongest thing for me is just the still image with some clever hashtags. Very good. And also speaking of social media hashtags and whatnot, you recently were featured on Sunday Scribbles with Nickelodeon. So let's yes. talk about that. That was really fun. So I kicked off the series of Sunday Scribbles with Nickelodeon. So that's pretty much a series where they highlight different artists on the Nickelodeon Instagram page. They ask you questions, they talk to you, and then they're also filming you drawing one of the Nick characters. So I had the pleasure of drawing Invader Zim, and it was really cool. And I drew it on a cup, of course. So it was really cool. The social media team here is so great, and they're attacking things from all different angles. They're trying new things. They're very inventive, very smart. They're very enthusiastic about what they do. So I think that also feeds into it. And now let's talk about just time and time management. Because every uh. time you and I talk, <laughs> it's like, so what 10 projects are you working on today? You always have a ton of projects that you're working on. How do you balance all of that? Because you're always working on something. I am trying to figure that out right now. My goal is to get more sleep right now because then it leads you to do better work when you wake up and you're rested. I'm a poor example of that right now, but I am working on it. Let's see, time management. I like to keep a calendar of everything. Even if I block out time for myself, I say this hour is for me. I write self time or like whatever, like alone time, whatever you need. I use Google Calendar because it syncs with my phone. It syncs with all my contacts. I can invite people to meetings. So that always helps keep a structure for me. But lately I've just been working on a lot of stuff outside of Nickelodeon. So that's been limiting my free time. I'm just really impressed because every time I talk to you, you're like, well, now I'm working on a music video. Now I'm working on a comic. Well, now I'm doing this promo. Now I'm doing this. Now I'm doing this. I'm just like, I'm just trying to get better at trying. <laughs> and you're just like... <laughs> well, um, let's see. I'm, I'm trying to place more importance on taking care of myself because I love art so much where it feeds into my free time and it doesn't feel like I'm working, but then I have to remind myself, yes, I'm working on something. There was a point once where I would feel weird, like sitting and doing nothing and watching TV. I'm like, this shouldn't feel so wrong, but it does. And I'm trying to get better at that. I'm trying to relax more, trying to not think about I should be doing something else. So that's what I'm currently working on. But I do think passion projects are really fun to do on the side. 
In my free time, I also work on a little comic. So that doesn't feel like work. I work on it when I want to. I don't work on it when I don't want to. So that's completely in my control and it feels great. And let's talk about that passion project because I love that comic. It's super fun. You have it on your site. You have the post-it notes here. I've seen the doodle on the chalk wall. So that's always fun. So let's talk about that. I completely by accident developed this little character of, of course, a coffee cup with glasses, with eyelashes on the glasses, which doesn't really make sense, but I think it's cute. So it's pretty much me as a coffee cup. And I've developed this little beverage world where every character is some kind of drink or a beverage. And it started off as just coffee characters. And then I started getting into more like, you know, there's a martini and there's a glass of wine. And I don't have names for all these characters, but I think they represent different parts of me and people I know. So it's really personal comic. It's really fun. And it, if I feel happy, I'll do a comic. If I feel sad, I'll do many comics. If I feel angry, I'll do even more comics. Yes. It's kind of, it's like my visual journal and it's really cool. And I like to see how people react to it. And a lot of people have been coming up to me and saying like, hey, like I really, really relate to your comic, just so you know, like it's awesome. Like keep doing it. And I'm like, wow, like, people actually really like this. So I have over 200 little comics. If you combine my sketchbook with some digital comics with the sticky notes of my characters, I think I might put together a little book. So a square, eight inch by eight inch book, all black and white, it's very simple for like a coffee table or something. So that can be really fun. And I would love to read it because that would be fun. And I love your comics, especially uh, the ones because we were both working on projects at one point and neither of us were getting a whole lot of sleep. And I love the ones where you're just like sleeping. I'm like, oh no, because I, I knew what was going on at the time. I'm Everything like, oh, hurts no. and I'm dying. Yes, I remember seeing that I was like, oh, I'm gonna stop by our desk tomorrow and see how everything's going. Which I really appreciated. <laughs> then there was that one time like I was so delirious that I started laughing in the kitchen. I couldn't yeah. stop. I don't actually remember any of that conversation because I was oh, so tired. <laughs> but I'm sure it was very funny. It was very funny. <laughs> we had a very good time. And then it just became, why don't you go and take a nap? <laughs> I had never had more people ask me to go to bed than that, than those few days. It was pretty fantastic. But there were really good projects, which hopefully in the future we'll be able to talk about. Yes. So stay tuned for that, everyone. Oh my gosh, you were like the wellspring of knowledge, just with personal projects and time management and social media. But I have to ask you, what advice would you give to younger Alana? Alana, who is just starting out and didn't yet know that she was going to go on to do amazing things and maybe she's working late at night working on all of her projects or trying to get that Bolex camera to not get the light in, like, what would you tell your younger self? I would tell this to my younger self and my current self, just stop taking everything so seriously because this is supposed to be really fun. Like we work in animation, we make cartoons for a living and it's supposed to be really fun and just have fun with it. And also say no more, say no to things that if you really don't have time to do it, then you won't be able to do the best job you can. So say no to more things. And if you commit to something, just commit to it. Be more picky with the projects you choose to accept. But yeah, I think the most important thing is to just have fun with it, because this is supposed to be a very fun career path. Well, Alana, is there anything else that you would like to share? Any other projects or just personal advice that you have for folks out there? If any of you draw on coffee cups, feel free to tag me and I will happily take a look at your work. And I encourage you all to find your artistic voice and just put your work out there. 
All right. So with that, Alana, where can people find you online? Because you are the internet. How can they check out what you're working on? <laughs> I am the internet. Yes. On Instagram, I am Java Doodles. So J-A-V-A-D-O-O-D-L-E-S. You may find me on my website, www.alanartist.com. And you spell that I-L-A-N-A-R-T-I-S-T. And I'm pretty funny on Twitter. You should follow my Twitter. <laughs> and that is also Alan Artist, I-L-A-N-A-R-T-I-S-T. Someone else took Java Doodles. And it's an inactive account, and I keep emailing Twitter like, listen, this is supposed to be mine, and it's not. But they have not gotten back to me. So for now, I'm Alan Artist. Hopefully one day, maybe the, the podcast army can go out there and be like, hey, we know someone who really needs this tag. They might just give it up, because that happened to me on... Instagram, someone else had Sketchy Soul, they'd had it before I did, and then one day they decided they didn't want it, and it was up for grabs, and I was able to get it, so... Oh, wow. Lucky you. you never know. Fingers crossed that the same will become of at Doodles, and you can sweep that up. But for now, yeah, check her out on Instagram, on Twitter, online, all of her stuff is great, and Alana, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me. And that concludes today's interview. Special thanks again to Alana for being a fantastic guest. And make sure to check out all of her links to her websites in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review in iTunes. All of your reviews help more and more people to find out about the show. And thank you to everyone who has left a positive review so far. And if you would like to support the show, you can visit www.theanimatedjourney.com and click on the PayPal donation button on the right-hand side. All of your donations help me to pay for hosting and technical costs associated with running the podcast. And you can also support the show by supporting the show's affiliate sponsors, Amazon.com, Audible.com, Loot Crate, and Blueberry Podcast Hosting. Whenever you click on the banner ads and make a purchase, a little bit of money comes back to the show. And again, that helps me to pay for technical costs. So thank you to everyone who has made a donation, and thank you to everyone who has supported our sponsors. They appreciate it, and I appreciate it as well. And to see what else is going on in the wonderful world of animation, make sure to follow the podcast on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash The Animated Journey. On Tumblr, the site is www.theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at AnimJourney. And to see what I've been up to lately, you can visit my website at www.sketchysoul.com. On Tumblr, the site is www.sketchysoul.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at SketchySoul. So tune in next time for another podcast episode. And as always, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody. 